Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Ned Reynolds, Mike the intern, back in the studio on a Tuesday morning. So what would you do after you uh, won Wimbledon? Would you would you just say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going, I'm gonna just I'm gonna keep this train rolling, or would you say, you know what, the stress of that, what I just went through is so much, I'm gonna go to Mexico for a month. I'm drinking margaritas every day and eating tacos. And uh, you can't get me out of the beach. Chosen, he's chosen the latter, but there's a reason for that. Now, under normal circumstances, with the U.S. Open at Flushing Meadow coming up mm-hmm. in a month and a half, the pros, they don't, they don't take any time off. They're out there working their seven and eight hours of hitting and practicing and running and all that. They do not take that time off. But Djokovic is. He's going on vacation. Why is that significant? Because he knows fully well he has virtually no chance of playing in the U.S. Open. He is unvaccinated, and unvaccinated foreigners are not permitted in this country. And he doesn't have any plans to get vaccinated. So therefore, he knows, hey, I'm not going to be there, so to heck with it. I'm taking my family and going on vacation. Which means that when the U.S. Open is played at Flushing Meadow, you will probably not have Djokovic probably not have Dmitry Medvedev, the number one player in the world, who is Russian. They're out. They're not allowed to play. Roger Federer, who hasn't played all year, and Rafael Nadal, who has a very significant abdominal muscle injury. You won't have those top four players? Mike, let's go out and warm up. I was going to say, dude, when we want to start training, Ned, get that, get that win at the U.S. Open. Holy moly. All right, first, before we get into that, though, where are they going on vacation? They talk about that. They don't They don't say this. Like All private. Tahiti or come, probably, they got probably got their own island people that felt wealthy you can just go to. And uh, Djokovic is very, very wealthy. Oh, hell yeah, he is. Well, Ned, I guess we we just need to stop and head to head to Cooper and start training, man. <laughs> get the Rocky uh, Rocky music going and we'll get Ned We'll get Ned out there real quick. That'd the be hilarious. Oldest, the oldest uh, champion in history at 80 years. <laughs> come on, that ain't going to happen. throw that racket and someone's going to get hurt. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's switch gears here. It's it's you know when you got players after they get out and uh, they pass away, it's always too young, and that's definitely the case with a former Cowboys running back. But it's kind of a crazy story involving him. Utterly bizarre. This is Marion Barber the third, who was a very good running back for the Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings and several other teams. Thirty-seven years old, he was found deceased in his apartment on June the first. All right, that's very untimely at 37 years old and a guy who's a professional athlete. Well, the coroner's report, and this is utterly bizarre, coroner's report was issued yesterday. He died from heat stroke. Now, wait a minute. He's in his apartment and he died from heat stroke? Barber's kind of a kind of a strange individual. The way they, they knew he'd passed away was he lived in this apartment and the people underneath that apartment, water had been dripping down into theirs from obviously up above. Well, they finally broke in. The door was locked from inside, broke into the apartment, and his bathtub was running. All hot water. All hot. Steam everywhere. Just a mess. Find his body. The thermometer in the apartment is turned up to 91 degrees. And you have all this steam. Well, Barber liked to work out in sauna conditions. And there were workouts with stationary bike and weights and all that sort of thing. But it was way too hot, way too hot, and in confined to circumstances, and that's what got him heat stroke. This is utterly unbelievable. It's a dangerous thing. I've had it happen to me several years ago. I was at a show. It was over, well over 100, 
Only had just, I just wasn't drinking enough water. Bang, you won't remember right on the this, ground. but I, that was my first day on the job here because you had come in and said I was on at a oh, concert I just got all, the weekend just got and all, I got passed I all, out and all, all that all sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. My hands, it looked like I'd been in a fight, and that was so crazy because I was like, I got to start this thing with Ned the next day, and I looked like I was in a bar fight. Maybe that's why you like me and, stop, and didn't try to fight Reynolds me. Reynolds is on the job one day, and he's already <laughs> beaten up this guy. <laughs> no, I, I was looking at it from the perspective of like the first day you go into prison, you want to look like you you can handle your business. So that's why I just had some guys rough me up because I was like, Ned's coming in. I don't want him to beat me up. So <laughs> you guys just uh, take a turn on me. All right. Uh, last but not least, you know, you always hear about guys putting money on uh, football games, basketball games, fights. But uh, do people really bet on golfers? They do. They do, especially in Great Britain where betting is commonplace. Everybody does it. Tiger Woods is a 66-1 to shot to win the British Open, which begins on Thursday. I give him a better chance than that. This is a flat course. It's a Lynx course. He's played at St. Andrews before. The stress on his leg is not going to be quite as much as it has been, and the guy can still play. Now, can he make it through four rounds in which are different conditions from what you normally have? Over and above that, 66-1. to Now, how are you going to watch the British Open? Here's, <laughs> here's your formula, folks. If you're that into it, the Peacock Network begins coverage, and this is not tonight, but tomorrow night, after midnight, 12.30. 12.30, the Peacock Network begins coverage, 12.30 to 3 a.m. From 3 a.m. until 2 p.m. on Thursday, USA Network gets it. And then from 2 to 3, it goes back to Peacock again. Same formula on Friday. 12.30 in the morning until 3 on the 1, Peacock, USA, and then Peacock again. Saturday and Sunday, NBC. Finally, we get some chance yeah, of seeing. <laughs> but, yeah, that midnight to 3 a.m., who's, uh, who's saying Zero. <laughs> zero. <laughs> so Cardinals still on a pretty good uh, run right now? Well, they got a win last night. They uh, This is two in a row now. They've beaten Philadelphia. This one, they finally got the bats out. Corey Dickerson, who is, I've got to say, been a major disappointment since the Cardinals got him, had three hits last night, three RBIs, one of them a home run, and the Cardinals beat the Philadelphia Phillies 6-1. to Philadelphia remains about a half a game ahead of the Cardinals in the wild card race, but folks, we're at just over mid-season. Come on, there's a lot that's going to happen. Cardinals get set to face the Los Angeles Dodgers starting tonight in St. Louis. It's a four-game series. Hey, this the Dodgers folks are pretty doggone good. Now, I said four-game series. It is not. It's a three-game series with the Dodgers. Los Angeles is a very good baseball team, but you know what? The Cardinals had success against the Dodgers in the past, and I'm not so sure that's going to continue now. I think they'll have a good chance. Matt Libertor is going to pitch tonight. Dodgers are tough. They have 56 wins, 29 losses on the year, great record and all that sort of thing. You watch the Cardinals are going to give them some trouble because St. Louis is not as mediocre as they have been playing. So uh, we'll, we'll give them a shot coming up here. Yeah, I think uh, hopefully they can make a couple deals before the deadline. Uh, they could definitely use the help, especially in the bullpen. But we'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, Royals, you know, they're they're just uh, cruising through the rest of the season, really, with the record they've got. But yesterday they played a uh, day-night doubleheader. And I know that you are so mad about this because you got to pay to get in twice. But let me bring this up to you, though. I think it's going to work against Coffin because if you think about it, you show up before the first one, you tailgate out in the parking lot, right? You're not paying for their their hot dogs, their beer, whatever. You bought your own at the store. 
Game's over, go back out to the parking lot, tailgate again, and then you come back in. How bad are tickets anyway? Well, it, it could be that, but uh, tickets are pretty expensive anyway, and I really feel like this is totally unfair. Uh, it's been in existence now for 20, 25 years. Still, when I was a kid growing up, one of the big selling points for baseball, every, every team played doubleheaders back then. They don't now. It's kind of a dinosaur. But over and above that, the old theme was two for the price of one. Oh, yeah. I loved going to doubleheaders. Loved it. Now you pay separate admissions, and that's what the Royals and the Tigers did yesterday. Day game, which was played in something of a blast furnace up at Coffin oh, Stadium. Oh, hot, hot. Royals won 3-1. to one. They had 16 alleged, 16,000 in there for the game. The second game, Royals won it by a score of 7-2. to two, And they're playing, Kansas City's playing better. Neither team is very good. Both the Tigers and the Royals are, are really mediocre baseball teams at best. But over and above that, Kansas City gets a doubleheader sweep. Hey, that's fine. Whit Merrifield, who had a streak of over 500 consecutive games, streak was broken. He has a toe injury, mm. so he had to sit out, unfortunately, but not even close to what Cal Ripken Jr. had. My goodness sake, he played for, what, 20 years yeah, without missing yeah. a game. You want to talk about uh, showing to work on time and being <laughs> punctual. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, 43rd anniversary of one of baseball's strangest episodes. You knew Bill Veck had to be involved in this one. And Mike, I remember it very well. I was at KY3 when this happened. The uh, last team that Bill Veck owned in Major League Baseball was the Chicago White Sox. And he owned them in the late 1970s. And then he passed from the scene in the 1980s. Over and above that sort of thing. Bill Veck was probably the greatest stuntsman in all of baseball. Well, the White Sox weren't very good. In 1979, on this date, 1979, July the 12th, so they'd been having something of a disc jockey war in Chicago. One disc jockey promoting disco records and the other promoting hard rock. Well, the anti-disco guy, I mean, he was very popular. Later got fired, but he was very popular nonetheless. He and Vec got together and decided they were going to have Disco Demolition Night at Comiskey Park between games of a doubleheader. I'll not forget this. I was on the air at KY3. Anyway, anyway, doubleheader. White Sox and the Tigers have the first game. (laughs) Vec said to the fans, you can come in and you're only going to pay $1 if you have a disco record. The Comiskey Park holds 47,000. They had 59,000 in the park and about 15,000 outside the park. Okay, you get to between games. The disc jockey goes out, has a crate full of disco records, and he burns them. End of, end of stunt, right? Oh, no. The fans came running on the field with their own disco records, started piling them up, burning them. Fans are running all over. The, it was a full-scale riot at Comiskey Park. Vec is on the PA system. Ladies and gentlemen, please, back to your seats. It lasted for about 35 or 40 minutes. Police couldn't break anybody up. Kids running all over. Also, dollar beer night. (laughs) This was a combination of bad scenes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, the umpires came out on the field, and some of the players had come out for the second game. They grabbed baseball bats to keep the people away from them. It was was bizarre. We had film of it. We put it on the air. It was it was strange to say the least umpires came out looked at the field and it was a mess absolute mess fans had torn the thing up they forfeited the game forfeited in detroit tigers favor and Vec, of course Vec had to go before the board of the american league hardly the first time that had ever happened (laughs) 
and uh, had to apologize and all that. He later sold the White Sox. But disco demolition night, I'm sitting there at KY3. We had teletypes back then, not any of the uh, texting and all that sort of thing. Teletypes, Chicago game delayed because of riot. And what on earth is this? And then the films came in over at NBC's network. Yeah. Like, Holy smokes, <laughs> disco demolition. <laughs> no, it's so funny because Ned had just bought his first disco record, and you're sitting there going, uh-oh, is this not cool anymore? Now, this was the era of Saturday Night Fever. You <laughs> yeah. might remember oh, yeah, John, yeah, yeah, John yeah. Travolta, yeah. Olivia yeah, yeah. Newton-John. I know you still got your white suit in the closet oh, somewhere. Yes. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. We're getting it in here sometime. Ned, have a great day. Yes, sir.